Hello and welcome back to another episode of Everybody Hates Your Brand, the podcast that covers all things marketing, from brand to CRM and everything in between. I'm Rob Vose and on this podcast I have the privilege of talking to a very special guest about the somewhat choppy waters of digital advertising, privacy and identity. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview. So the digital advertising world, if you read the marketing press, is going through some pretty seismic changes right now. We've got Google talking about getting rid of cookies. We've got Apple's uh, iOS changes and and their absolute focus on privacy. Facebook seems to find itself constantly in the news, usually for a negative reason. And it's kind of a a game of cause and effect. There's a series of factors here. It's it's a complex ecosystem, uh, digital advertising. There's a lack of transparency. What is a marketer actually getting for their money? There's a dearth of education. Uh, around the ecosystem and the issues within it. And yet, spend on digital advertising shows no sign of slowing down. And here's a mind-blowing stat. In 2021, UK digital ad spending will grow by 16.8% to £19.23 billion. For our American friends, that's $24.66 billion. And for our Aussie friends, I don't know, 35, $35 billion? I'm not sure what the exchange rate is these days. So to guide us through these choppy waters, we are here with an expert, uh, somebody who can help us navigate and give us useful insight as to what is happening. And I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast uh, Dan Richardson. He's a data and identity strategist and educator. Uh, he's currently head of data for Yahoo uh, in Australia and New Zealand. And he's also co-chair of the IAB Australian Dance Data Council, amongst many, many other hats that he wears. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Rob. Um, g'day. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Yes, and I should, I should say there is an 11-hour time difference between us at the moment. So Dan is just waking up. Uh, I'm feeding myself tea to try and keep myself, keep myself awake. So at the beginning of every, every interview, we do what we call a sort of credibility section. So I've given a bit of a praise there of your, of your background. But for, for the listeners who maybe don't know who you are, can you just give us a bit of a background of your career and what you've done and, and what, your, what you sort of frame your expertise for us, if you like? Yeah, no problem. Um, so, look, I, I started out studying uh, film uh, at, at university, and then uh, really enjoyed uh, moving into the technology side of film production, which led me to a, a very pivotal moment. I'd, I'd moved to London with a, a suitcase full of DVDs, my showreel, to attend wow. the, uh, the Canary Wharf Film Festival for a music video I'd shot, and, and that went well. But after that, I realised I, I, I kind of didn't uh, have the business side locked down. So, you know, you've got to have, as we call at, uh, at Yahoo, the culture and the code. Uh, so that's being able to have the, uh, the the creativity, but also be able to understand the tech and the business. So that that led me to to um, taking a job selling ads in Shepherd's Bush for a custom publication. Uh, and this was kind of around the time when search engine optimization and SEM was really starting to pick up. And right. so from there, I got into search with agencies, um, media buying uh, so with both uh, WPP and Omnicom, uh, and and launching. Uh, our trading desk in, in Australia, which was called Acuin, uh, with uh, another couple of people. But about six or seven years ago, I, I took a job at Yahoo, and this is, uh, I, I guess, revealing. The job was called the head of targeting. Now, ah. skip forward, skip forward seven years. Uh, it's much more than targeting. In fact, you won't see targeting in my uh, in my job title because it's a bit of a dirty word these days. But uh, my team and what I do is, you know, essentially working with both publishers and brands to understand how they can reach their audience, uh, insights, measurement, also privacy and, and partnerships uh, with some of our, our data vendors as well. Uh, and that flows through to our, um, our platform, so our demand and supply side platforms, uh, and also um, you know, working with all the data we get from people visiting our, our Yahoo apps and properties. 
Um, so yeah, lots, lots happening in uh, in twenty twenty one. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we jump into proper work questions, I have to have a question. Do you still make films? Is that still something you try and do, or 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 is that kind of fallen fallen by the wayside? I'm intrigued. Well, it's actually a, a, a lot of work to make a, a film uh, and to do it well. Yeah. Um, most of my films these days are uh, you know, skateboarding with my uh, with my son. <laughs> or, or, or home videos but yeah still still absolutely love that stuff what a unique way to get into the industry fascinating it's we've talked briefly about you know in the intro about what a sort of complex and opaque world this this can be and i you know i've spent a lot of my career client side and when i've bumped up against it there's a lot of things in there that i still struggle with and i think a lot of marketers would would struggle with as we've mm. talked about before the podcast you know consumers and understanding consumers and where do they fit in this and there's a whole whole bunch of issues currently sort of out there sort of jargon so i know one of the things that you are really keen on and really focus on is 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 sort of education you know, how do we improve education, not just for marketers, but also for the consumers and, and what have you? And I think one of the things that stood out for me was this idea of trying to follow follow my money. So if I was going to spend, I don't know, let's say £10,000, Australian, US, whatever, trying to understand where that money goes and what is left at the end of it to actually spend mm. on advertising is something that isn't easy. To, to follow even if you try no. and spend the time to do it and i've never tried to spend the time to do it so can you give us a, a, i guess for for the for the numpties like me in the crowd a simple view of kind of where that money how that process works you know where that money goes what the sort of waterfall is of that money yeah i'll, I'll try to there's a, a lot of elements in that um so you know we, we've um pretty much moved on from you know buying media direct uh with with a, a publisher through uh, an insertion order uh, in in the old way, where the, the delivery of impressions is is guaranteed and and just very very simple in that way. That's transformed in via the programmatic ecosystem. So you have buyers who are advertisers buying ads and then and bidding on ads. And there's various different ways to to do that. You can you know go into an open auction um, and and bid against other people, or you can you know fix a price as well, maybe with a publisher. Um, and then on the, on the sell side, you've got publishers uh, monetizing their ad impressions as well into this into this programmatic ecosystem, and, and they do that via uh, an ad exchange. Um, so at Yahoo, we have both the demand side platform for buyers and a sell side platform uh, for publishers. But as you said, Rob, there's a lot of different things which go into that, and it's it's a huge focus at the moment, particularly for brands and media agencies who are wanting mm. a bit more transparency, particularly if, you, if you're looking at uh, some of the investigations which are happening around what Google is doing, uh, you know, looking at, you know, how much of the inventory um, uh, are they monetizing through their own exchange uh, to, to buyers versus other mm -hmm. exchange. Um, yeah. So in a recent um, investigation saw that there was, there was a lot of self-preferencing happening there towards their mm -hmm. own addicts exchange gotcha. and i think for me the key really is as a marketer uh, if you want to use your data you want to apply that flexibly and openly across uh, multiple publisher websites and multiple exchanges and really optimize to the best result so agencies are really coming to us now and and, and also to the to the uh, ad exchanges for publishers and saying okay we need a bit more we need some more transparency and you know things which they're looking into are you know what's what is the bid price so that's the uh, expressed as a cost um, per uh, impression there that someone is bidding at what does it actually clear at 
So that's the auction clearing price. Mm -hmm. And then you've got different dynamics as well. The highest bid price, the second price. What's the floor price? So you'll know that if you've ever sold a house, what's your Mm. absolute floor? Uh, And then the seller price as well, the amount paid to the exchange by the seller. If you can look into all of this stuff, it actually re- reveals things like, you know, what is the take rate? What what are the fees? What are the clips of the ticket? How much are people making? And where the industry is at right now is, you know, can we look at that as a an, an average fee or average take rate uh, in, into the exchange or or should we go into an impression level? So like right. actually looking at each unique impression. There are privacy concerns around that as well. As well mm-hmm. as bandwidth, you know, you've got to have a lot of computing power to be able to take uh, you know, millions and millions and millions yeah. of impressions and analyze all of these auction dynamics. But the end result is, you know, we, we'd all like to understand, you know, who's actually, um, how, how people are making money and, and, you know, are we investing most effectively? Gotcha. So, I mean, there's a lot of prices in there, <laughs> a lot of prices to get your head around. If you were to kind of... I don't know. Let's say you were doing a, an education 101 course for people, which maybe you do. I don't know. Um, what If you were going to break it into like a syllabus, what would be the kind of key areas or concepts that you think would most benefit marketers when trying to avoid sort of problems or pitfalls? What would be the kind of core? What would be your syllabus, if you like, you know? But we, we really start off with when we're doing uh, education sessions, we start off with the basics. You know, so understanding where we've come from uh, on the internet. So using... Uh, cookies, so that little bit of uh, script, JavaScript up in, in the browser and how that's used to understand people for targeting but also for measurement, for fraud, prevention, um, mm-hmm. or mobile uh, advertiser IDs or maids. These are generated by Apple or Google um, and they're generated for every app that's in their in their Play Store or, or Google Store. And these things are used to, to understand people's behaviour but also to uh, track where they're going and their location. Uh, the thing is, it, it it has evolved, and the consumers come back into the frame of reference. If you think back a moment, when I said, you know, my first job at Yahoo was the head of targeting, it's moved yeah. much beyond just freely, you know, harvesting data and targeting to actually um, educating consumers. But to do that, we first have to educate ourselves. And you know, what I'm finding is that there is actually not not a a, a great understanding of cross device tracking. You know, how do you understand mm-hmm. someone across um, a, a mobile device or a browser? How do you produce an identity graph? Um, how do you look at a, a logged-in member versus someone who is an unknown or a tourist? So, look, to answer your question, Rob, we start off looking at all the basic ingredients and then we, we, we scale up from there. So people actually understand how the internet works, first of all. I mean, that's interesting. So it sounds like you help agencies and marketers and clients that you work with directly. If you, uh, if you didn't have access to a Dan Richardson... Um, <laughs> How would you suggest that, or what are some kind of um, resources or materials, or is there anything that out there that you think is really worth another podcast? Maybe heaven forfend someone listens to a podcast other than this one. Is there anything out there that you would recommend? Yeah, look, there's there's some really good information uh, across the trade press, um, but I think you know you will hear a lot of commentary. It's it's important to work with people who are, are building solutions as well, mm-hmm. um, and you know. It is like drinking from a fire hydrant, you know, when, when marketers are looking to educate themselves, uh, you know, they're, they're turning to, to many different sources for information. I worked with the IAB recently down in New Zealand to look at this and they found that, you know, it's really split across uh, internal teams, industry bodies, 
um, tech partners, trade pubs. We're getting our information from everywhere. So look, it's, it's no surprise that knowledge of things like cross-device tracking is mm. is split down the middle. Um, the same research revealed that you know forty-six percent of people in the industry, uh, you know, thought that they were good or expert knowledge of things like identity and cross-device tracking, but about 54% had limited uh, to no knowledge. Um, so, you know, it, it's really important, uh, and this is something I'm particularly passionate about, mm. Rob, is that we uh, we de-jargonize, that we um, get rid of all of the commercial interest and actually, you know, give an objective, standardized view to market as well. So that, that's where things like the IAB uh, are really critical. You know, being able to bring together stakeholders across uh, the buy side, the sell side, uh, technology, and actually say, you know, what are we trying to solve for here? So, you know, one of one of the um, uh, most recent uh, projects we developed was the uh, ID or, or or identity explainer mm-hmm. guide uh, and matrix, which is essentially a, a, a no nonsense glossary of terms, and then a matrix mm. which explains all of the the major uh, cross device identity providers for a cookie-less world that, you know, you can have in your back pocket and you can use when you're trying to understand things without having to wade through commentary or or people's, you know, commercial interests. Interesting. We will link to that uh, in the podcast notes as well so anybody listening can, can have a look in there and, and dig it out. Having been on the client side, I do occasionally feel like <clears> there's <throat> a lot of people marking their own homework <laughs> occasionally. So you're right, that idea of an objective viewpoint, you know, a, a yardstick, a benchmark that you can, or, or an independent voice is so important in all this. And that kind of leads me to my, I guess, my last question on, on education, which is when you're working with your media agency or your creative agency or whoever you're set up as a, as a marketer, what role should an agency play, do you think, from an education perspective or and this is a hugely cynical way of looking at things. Does it serve an agency if marketers aren't educated because it's easier to pull the wool over someone's eyes? Not that, not that an agency would do that, heaven forfend. But you know what I mean? Like, What, what role should an agency play, do you think? I'll, I'll, I'll answer that question during my experience from as, yeah. as a publisher and tech company, but also from a, as a past media agency guy. Um, the first thing, not, not all, all brands uh, would want you know, complete uh, transparency on everything. That, you know they don't they don't necessarily have the bandwidth to to look at everything with an absolute magnifying glass. Good point. Um, you know that they, they, they might just be looking for a, a managed service that delivers an outcome. Other brands, you know, that they really do want to run the the ruler over everything. But I think you know maybe in the past when we were uh, optimizing uh, online campaigns to very generous post view or post impression conversions mm. uh you know it was it was um you know it was a little bit more opaque also with trading desks you know i was there when they launched down here in australia and and you know the the trading model there was a bit more opaque we're seeing that change now because of things like changes to tracking changes to privacy and the key ingredient really is first party party data so mm. particularly data that is is derived from someone who is subscribing or logging in customer data from a website or a brand. And, you know, the reality is that, you know, agencies are, are not brands uh, and, you know, they're not publishers. So, but they are the conduit between all mm-hmm. of these partners here. And connecting the two is, is really a core function of the agency and being able to synthesize all of that data, but also understand uh, the consumer as well. So particularly when it comes to planning and activation, um, we do a lot of work with agencies as they're developing their addressable uh, solutions. So looking at how are they understanding uh, the customer, bringing in multiple data sources, but working it back to 
uh, identifiers that are not going to be blocked by a browser or you know, Google mm. or Apple. So I think that agencies are doing uh, a lot of work to educate marketers on, on how that ecosystem functions. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the job of an agency to, to bring all that knowledge and package it up and deliver insightful, uh, effective mm-hmm. uh, work as well. Um, but you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of work happening with, with, uh, with agencies right now. It's a big job, um, and, and a lot to, to take in. Well, it's interesting. I think you've <clears throat> sort of nudged into the sort of next stage of the conversation there, which is about the future. And it seems to me that there's a bit of flux going on at the moment because the cookie, you know, cookie have a shelf life and it's rapidly approaching its, you know, sell by date. And it seems to me there's a, there's a sort of different competing potentials as replacements you know so you've got um google facebook amazon they've all got their own different thing was it floc i forget what that stands for but yeah the federated learning of cohorts so cohort based targeting um that's it's basic it's but if you think about it um and you know it's about removing that persistent cross uh, device tracking of an individual yeah. um and, and using other data signals as well machine learning to put them into privacy preserving yeah. groups and you, you, you're targeting and measuring against the group um yes that's what what flock is is designed to do it's still in sandbox it's not not ready yet no yeah I mean, they said they pushed it back a bit didn't they but the, what's interesting yeah. i think there's cookies and cookies and sort of device id were, were almost like a universal standard you know that everybody for a while was using those things do you see another standard emerging? You've talked about, you know, first-party data for, as a way of creating, you know, identity, or you know, or do you see fragmentation? You know, is it going to be like a period where there's different standards coming out, and there's going to be a, you know, and, and eventually one will emerge, or do you think it will be fragmented a little bit in the future? What's your kind of perspective on that? Look, I think there's still a big place for for cookies and a big place for mobile advertiser IDs. Um, and you know, coming from a small market down here, Australia and New Zealand, uh, it's it's actually not not possible to switch over all of your marketing to uh, to people based on a logged in ID or or things like a an email ID, which are able to be hashed or tokenized. So that means that mm-hmm. it's privacy centric and it's valued or not blocked by a browser you can't switch all of that on straight away there has to be a a transition period but i think you know if you look at what's an emerging standard it it really is you know ticking two boxes for the the marker and the publisher the first is is privacy Mm -hmm. so i'm a firm believer in in, you know building direct to consumer relationships and and getting things like consent for use of data in, in a first party manner um, so that's what we bid out, built our Connect ID solution on at Yahoo. Um, but there's also other options as well, which um, are, are partnership-based. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, we're integrated with those um, providers as well. One of them might be LiveRamp and their Ramp ID, yeah. um, which is, is basically a, a group of publishers who agree to allow LiveRamp to collect that, that email mm. and to hash or tokenize it and then pass that through the ecosystem for targeting. So that's a new standard which is emerging overlaying those identity solutions on your marketing um but i think you know this is there's there's a big choice here you know do you do you go for all out scale and then and then you start getting into the territory of uh you know cookie based or, or modeled solutions um so using a lot of probabilistic technology there so that's um uh, you know one option or do you do you go for something which is purely based on that uh that known or deterministic audience um i think we need to find a middle ground there and, and look, the internet will, will, I believe, will be hybrid um, by necessity. So there'll be a mix of both those those 
logged in uh, users whom you're reaching and then uh, people who you, you don't know uh, personally but who you're using technology to to model out using machine yeah. learning things like that okay it used to be you would buy based on context so i speak as a golfer so if i'm tightlist or callaway whoever manufacturer i would buy yep a front the front page of a you know a golf world or golf digest or those kind of things yeah. is that stuff you know is that is that it sounds like a strange question but in in this kind of new world do you ever do you ever see sort of regression back not regression not the right word but going back to that kind of context based thing does that ever come around again because it it kind of moved from that to being audience based and obviously that's where we find ourselves does that contextual stuff still play a part do you think yeah, it's it's really interesting, you know, when when uh, you know Apple brought in intelligent tracking prevention, which is is blocking of of cookies that are not first party to that to the site, so third party cookies. When when they brought that in, you know, there was a lot of of chat uh, around you know contextual, amplified by things like uh, GDPR in, in Europe, general data protection regulation. Now, I was speaking to a contextual data company. Uh, a few days ago, um, and you know, they said, look, they were all on standby, waiting by the phones when GDPR launched. Uh, to, you know, they, they they thought that contextual was just going to be the, the knight in, in in shining armor, um, but it was actually a, a a slower burn. And I think you know, contextual has really started to ramp up since then. Uh, it's okay. different for every market, um, but we are seeing that it, it is growing year on year. The second thing is that it's grown as well. You know, it's not just the the URL of a page that you're looking at or the type mm-hmm. of app you're reading, those types of contexts. It's how that, that data is being used in combination with other data to, to develop privacy-preserving audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for us, uh, we're, uh, we've released a solution called uh, NextGen Audiences, um, and, you know, that combines contextual data with pre-bid data. So I talked about the programmatic ecosystem before, buyers and sellers bidding for impressions. Mm-hmm. Uh, pre-bid data is things like the location, even the weather, yeah. what sort of device you're gotcha. on, the operating system. You can actually combine that with uh, contextual data using machine learning and start to infer people's age and gender and mm-hmm. interests, even, even start to optimize to a conversion. Uh, but, but doing that using signals uh, which uh, are not relying on third-party cookies. For us, that's been a, a huge area of, of investment. What we're seeing is that you know, when we work with publishers, particularly who, who are able to match with us based on mm-hmm. that, that uh, logged-in user uh, seed using ConnectID and then implement next-gen audiences, what we're seeing is that they're delivering up to 30% more impressions into those unknown environments. So think about iOS 14.5 or onwards where people have opted out you can yep. continue to de- to deliver impressions based on age or gender or interest, which means you're you're filling more impressions and you're you're getting a higher CPM. So that's been really successful because it's great for publishers, but also great for consumers because they're they're not being tracked across device if they've opted out no. of that. So it's it's interesting you point about inference and and trying to figure those things out. And I guess part of the fun of the next few years is going to be how accurate can you make that inference so that you're not pushing something in front of somebody that like is completely off the mark. That'd be an interesting, interesting 
where to go. So thinking about the future, and I guess our final question for today, it seems like no matter what happens in digital advertising world, no matter what problems befall it or, or you know, whatever scandal Facebook are going through at any given time or whatever measurement, reporting, all that kind of stuff, it continues to grow year on year on year. Um, there are some markets like Procter & Gamble that have turned off a few bits and pieces and have found that, it, you know, certain things weren't working for them and they've made some changes. What do you see? I'm asking you to be a clairvoyant here. What do you see over the next sort of I don't know, one to three years? You know, do you see it continued growth? Do you see leveling off? I'm, I'm intrigued to see where you where you see it going over the next few years. Look, I think uh, let's let's level set here. You know, as 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 marketers, publishers, uh, agencies, you know, we're we're really at a fork in the road, and and I think we have, we have a couple of choices here going forward. Uh, we can we can choose to uh, you know go for convenience, maybe. Uh, lean back uh, into a into a wall garden, and many many smaller businesses uh, will do that, mainly due to resource and convenience. Um, but I think we really need to be careful not to weaponize uh, or commercialize privacy, not to oversimplify it. Uh, my focus really on on the future and for next year is to collaborate and communicate the the value of data, and I think we need to start by doing that with consumers. So you know our research uh, indicates that. Particularly, uh, eighteen to thirty-fours, that you know, which is a hard-to-reach audience, many brands mm. have an absolute expectation for personalised and immersive experiences. So, you know, we've invested a lot in looking at things like augmented reality uh, into NFTs, so non-fungible tokens, and, and being mm. able to live in that in that three D world and have an experience in there. But most importantly, building those experiences into the omnichannel marketing campaign. So. It's it's not good enough to build these these experiences, uh, whether it's placing you know a, an object in your home using AR or or going into uh, a virtual Selfridges uh, and and looking at a Charlie Cohen piece of fashion like we we did in the UK. It's not good enough just to do that on its own. Mm. So for me, the future is building that into uh, continuing the conversation through uh, display or video or or in feed ads, uh, audio, digital out of home. And, you know, identity really is at the core of that. Uh, and that's that's essentially being able to understand who has engaged with any of these advertising experiences and what have they done next, whether a conversion on site, footfall, and, and understanding that consumer journey. But mm-hmm. the thing that's changed is really that it has to be, again, grounded in that direct-to-consumer relationship and and consent or education uh, on, yeah. on how the data is being used and and to make it easy for consumers, but also bring it together for marketers as well. So that's, yeah. I think that's going to really grow in the next year or so, um, bringing these experiences which consumers expect into that omni-channel play. You're showing utility to the customer then. I think a lot of the problem historically has been what's the value in this? I'm going to get, you know, but whereas what you're talking about is broad, is an experience, something that they can clearly see the value in. Um, so I think that's really interesting. Well, look, uh, thank you very much for coming on. Very Thanks, much Rob. appreciate it. Um, we will put the links to uh, the stuff we talked about in the, in the, uh, at the bottom of the podcast uh, in the notes so you can have a look at that. Um, but really appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Rob. Bye bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dan. It's uh, it's a complex ecosystem. Uh, I'm very grateful, Dan, to come on and help explain it. Um, hopefully, we were able to shed some light on it. Episode three of season two will be coming along soon. And hopefully, it'll be another great special guest. Uh, until then, take great, great care and be vigilant. Be vigilant.